morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Joe Dana, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Come to us as a light from heaven, sovereign God. Pierce the shadows of doubt and despair, anger and scorn that we allow to rule in our lives. Turn us from ways that deny your rule among us. Awaken us from the dull routines to worship that is alive with awe and wonder, spontaneity and joy. Surprise us with a presence we cannot avoid, a summons we dare not evade, a mission we may not escape. We are gathered by the love of Christ that we may feed others as we have been fed. Amen. And now as we worship together, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that Jesus Christ died and rose again that we might be reconciled to God. Jesus is unique in all the world, both because of the resurrection and because as a result of what he has done for us, we do not have to try to work our way to heaven. God simply asks that we repent, believe, and follow Jesus. Let us therefore go before the throne of grace in faith and confidence and confess our sins together. Let us pray. Loving God, we admit to attitudes that exclude rather than embrace. 
We prefer to associate with others who think and act as we do. We turn away from those who are different from us. We identify some as enemies to be avoided or even destroyed. Forgive us, God, for seeking to limit your family. Awaken us to the limits of our understanding and the narrowness of our dealings. Show us the better ways you intend and make us bold to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Savior and Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us now boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms on this glorious morning. We're grateful to be greeted by such a beautiful day and we hope that you will find this to be a beautiful place in which to dwell, this dwelling place of the Lord, to know of God's presence and to wonder about God's er, stirring in your life and what he might be calling you to do out there in his good world. So we hope that you will fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and uh, note those folks who are sitting near you because maybe one of the most important things you'll do today is talk to your neighbor. <laughs> and that would be a good thing. We would love to have you come out and join us underneath the big tree outside on a beautiful day like today. Give yourself a chance to have some further conversation and to sign up for some things that are going on in the life of our church. We have a bloodmobile coming up in a couple weeks and you might wanna be thinking about that and various other things that we'll make mention of or that will be mentioned in your bulletin if you, as you take a look at that. This coming Wednesday night, we'll have our, annual, our weekly uh, dinner, and we invite you to join us for that. Today, uh, that night, we will have a special guest, and that will be Dale Hoskins from uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators will be with us, and you'll want to hear about that good work that's happening and Dale's work in that particular ministry. So come and join us for dinner, and then there will be uh, classes following that. We also want to encourage you, if you are a uh, relatively new person in our midst, a regular visitor perhaps, or a new visitor, would like to learn more about Church of the Palms, today's the day. Today's your lucky day. Uh, we have a new members class just after this service at 1015 over in the chapel, so we would love to have you come over and join us there where we'll have the chance to share with you a little bit more about what is going on in our life, what our mission is, and how you can be a part of it. So come and join us for that as we uh, continue to grow as the body of Christ. We have a wonderful event coming up this next Sunday, and I'd like to invite Jonathan Spivey to share with us a little bit about that great opportunity. Good morning. I'd like for you to look at page eight in your bulletin, and uh, it's hard to see. It's actually the one right before page nine. The eight isn't really numbered, so you have to kind of hunt. But if you see the ad for it says, a night of violin magic. That's what I want to talk about just briefly. And of course, it's not really a night. It starts at three in the afternoon. So it, it's an afternoon. Um, but violin magic, that part is absolutely true. Um, it also says, by the way, something about Mozart. And that's not going to happen. Um, we're, we're doing Beethoven. So that's, that's close enough, right? Um, but the range of music goes from the very serious and, and beautiful of the classics, which we love, to Fiddler on the Roof kind of thing for people like my dad, who happens to be in town, so he'll love that part for sure. Um, the, the feature, that, and it is mentioned in your bulletin, is the instrument, right? It's a 1695 Guarneri, and those of you who know great Italian instruments like Stradivarius and, and Amati, Guarneri is right up there with them. And we're so lucky, I think, in the city of Sarasota to have generous patrons who do things like, oh, I don't know, buy a dozen of these great instruments and then just let someone like our concertmaster, Dan Jordan, use them. So there is such a person in this town, believe it or not. And so Dan is happy. We're, we're all happy. <laughs> and what that amounts to is, of course, if, if you put that violin in the hands of anything less than a master, it doesn't sound that great. But we have Daniel Jordan, our concertmaster. I mean, the hands of a master. His, the, the word master is built into his name, his title, right? So you've got to believe that. Um, so I think my job is going to be to stay out of the way. I will be on the piano kind of distantly in the background and let you just 
feast your eyes and ears on this amazing, I mean, 1695, right? That's, that's even before Church of the Palms was around, I believe. <laughs> so the short, the short version is to come next Sunday at 3 p.m. Don't skip church, but do make your plans to come here again after church is over, go home, have some lunch, come back at 3 o'clock for a great concert of violin magic.
Let us join our hearts and our minds together in prayer. Lord of light and love, we gather in your name to bring our prayers and petitions, to sing your praises, and to hear what you have to say to us. Thank you, Father, for bringing your people together. Thank you for your mercies, which are new every morning, and your never-failing faithfulness, which seeks to patiently nurture us, despite our failures. We believe that you have a plan and purpose for each one of us that's special and suited. You know our abilities as well as our limitations. So we pray you'll help us to understand what you have given us to do and equip and empower us to be effective and contagious in our representation of you. As we seek to understand, we know that sometimes we cling to our shadows. We know about shadows, shadows of grief, serious illness, disappointment, tough circumstances, failing to heed your call to join the work because of being in the shadow. So we pray you'll guide us as we wrestle with these things in our lives. Keep us from embracing them rather than looking for your light. Forgive us, Lord, and give us the power to step into your light. Come to us in your special loving way that we might lift our eyes toward you and see your face shining on us and then take some steps into your light. We all need the comfort of being in fellowship with you and with each other. So we pray you'll help us to be sensitive to the needs of our brothers and sisters and speak words of encouragement, smiles, handshakes. Help us to care for each other in these kinds of ways and empower us to do your deeds of mercy and peace wherever they might be. We pray for our nation and her leaders that you would intervene to minimize the discord and dysfunction and through you to raise them up to deeds of wisdom and faith. We pray that their self-interest will be subjugated to the good of the country. We pray for our military personnel that are stationed around the world and may they know how much they're appreciated for their service. And for missionaries who so faithfully minister your word and grace in areas that sometimes are extremely challenging and dangerous. And for our poor, sick world, those suffering the ravages of terrorism, war, and starvation. And we do pray a special request for safety of travel for those of our seasonal members who are making their way home. And we pray especially that you'll give wisdom and direction as we seek to do your will and fulfill your purposes, as we embody your church in our behaviors, and as we open our palms to your direction for our church and campus. Instill within all of us a sense of excitement about your vision. And now we pray for Pastor Steve as he brings your message. Give him a spirit-led ability to communicate the things you have for us to hear. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. And now we'll ask the ushers to come forward as we together present our tithes and our offerings. To take up the cross, willing to suffer reproaches and loss, willing to follow if thou wilt but lead, only support me with grace in my need. Master, thou callest. And this I reply, ready and willing, Lord, here am I. Living or dying, I still would be fine, yet I mortal while thou art divine and whenever I turn from the right pity and bring me again to the light master the coolest and this I reply
thank you, Lord, for the generosity of your people. We thank you that as we've been on the journey of life, you've been generous to us. And now we pray that as we share these gifts, that they will be a blessing to others and to your kingdom and to our happiness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to ask our children to come forward. And I understand we have a brand new children's minister here. And we'd also like to ask the family and the Johnson family to come forward. Come on up. Our children can be right over here in this little area to take watch. Come on up. Emily and Jessica first are two sisters who grew up in our congregation over the years. And uh, since then, they have uh, decided to get married. And then since then, they decided to have children. And we are grateful that today they are before us with their two children, Aubrey and little William. And we're grateful that they are here to uh, reconnect with our family here at Church of the Palms and to uh, bring their children to be baptized into the life of the church and into the great knowledge of God's good grace and love for us. So we're delighted that we can have this opportunity to share with you both. This is uh, maybe a first for me, two sisters with two children, so that's just, this is great. We are the covenant family and baptism is a significant moment in our life because it calls to mind our own identity in Christ, our own uh, being children in Christ. And so it is that we take very seriously this moment when we invite families to come forward to bring their children to be baptized into Christ so that they know and we know together that we all are a part of the great family of God. And so it is in baptism that we make promises because we are the covenant family. We make promises on behalf of our children so that we will know that our job as a congregation and as parents is to raise our children into the new life in Christ, an example of what it means to follow Jesus. So to that end, we ask these questions of our parents and of the congregation so that we can make our promises and live out our covenant life together. So Jessica and Todd and Emily and Chris, I'd like to ask you these questions as you bring your two children to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your children's behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before William and Aubrey an example of the new life in Christ. And to you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, do you undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their children so that in due time they may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you? And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen their ties with the household of God, will you? Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit attends this moment. We are grateful that in the waters of baptism we see the reflection of who we really are, which is that we are your children. And we pray, O Lord, that you will attend to this moment, that we may know of your presence, that we may be encouraged by your Spirit, and that we may be aware once again of your grace 
and that we may rejoice with these families as they bring their children into the great family of God. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. That didn't work either. <laughs> William Russell Johnson, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Should have started with this one. <laughs> Aubrey Grace Savoca, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, sometimes it works well and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but the good news is, is that God loves us all, loves us all. And that's what baptism is all about, to show us all how much God loves us. And we are so thankful that we get to be a part of this important day in the life of these two families and the life of these two children because Likely, that's kind of what happened for you back in the day when you were baptized. So we rejoice that we get to be a part of the big family of God. Carol. And on behalf of Family Ministries, we'd like to officially welcome little Liam and Aubrey to the family of God. And um, as you plan your journey on, in faith, we just hope that you would um, be filled with the Spirit, and to um, help you on your journey, we'd like to present you both with um, Bible story books that you can read with little Liam and Aubrey, and um, God bless you. You are the God of love and grace, and that you receive us all as your children. Bless this little girl, Aubrey, bless little William, that they may know always of your grace, always of your mercy, and always of the great family of God. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. But today they become a member of God's family just like you all and I did when we got baptized as babies. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be part of? Yes, let us pray. 
Our most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the baptism of William and Aubrey and all of our baptisms. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming us into your home and family to be a part of one another in you. Now go with us and help us to learn more about your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let us follow Miss Carol out. You can go with us. may be seated. Our scripture this morning 
comes to us from the Acts of the Apostles, the third chapter beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, we asked them for alms. And Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, the one we know as Jesus of Nazareth. We pray this in his name, amen. I was in a room I was not supposed to be in. It was my first visit to Israel some 20 years ago and we were touring the Israel Museum in Jerusalem and our mission there was to view pieces of the Dead Sea Scrolls and artifacts from the time of Jesus. But I had fallen behind the tour, story of my life, and took a wrong turn and ended up in a room that housed a collection of French impressionistic paintings. Now, I'm nowhere close to being an art aficionado or even an art student, so in a very real sense, not only was I in a room I wasn't supposed to be in, I wasn't even quite sure I was what I was looking at. But all I knew was that my eyes had fallen on a painting that had arrested me. It was a painting I could not stop looking at. I'm not sure how to explain it, but maybe you've had that same kind of experience that your eye catches something, a piece of art, a piece of nature, a, a vista, a landscape, and it so captures you that you don't want to stop looking. This painting that stopped me dead in my tracks in the wrong room was painted by a French impressionist named Camille Passaro. Many of you know that name, but at that time I didn't know the name, didn't even know much about Impressionism, some but not much. The painting's name is Sunset at Erhany. It is a view across these fields outside of Erhany in France, and it shows the sun low in the sky, but not low enough that it doesn't yet still glow in brilliant yellow, and the way Pissarro paints this sun it, it nearly leaps off the canvas. 
It was this landscape, this sun that captured me and I did not want to turn my gaze. Now, when I went back to the US, as my family will attest, I became a Camille Pissarro junkie. I wanted to know everything there was to know about this painter, and I wanted to take in every single one of his paintings. Now, as these things go, of course, there is never anything like your first true love. That's why I married mine, and there is nothing like this painting for me. And there is no one quite like Camille Pissarro, because what I learned, and what many of you already know, is that Camille Pissarro is widely known as the grandfather, the pioneer of the Impressionist movement. Camille Pissarro had something inside of him that was able to see the world and convey it and express it and magnify it in a, in a way that no one had ever quite done. Seeing in front of him this landscape, what he saw was these tiny points of light that translated into points of color, that, that translated into strokes of color from his brush upon the canvas. Pissarro was one of those earliest persons to see the, the world this way. Monet, Renoir, Manet, Degas, all of these impressionist masters, household names to most now, owe their careers and reputations, one could say, to, for all intents and purposes, to this man who had first seen the world this way. All because there was something inside of him that helped him to see what most could not see. Tiny points of light that resulted in tiny points of color that resulted in tiny strokes of color from his brush. In 1865, very few people in the world saw the world that way. History, of course, is filled with men and women who had something inside of them that allowed them to see what most couldn't see. Dare I suggest that most of us in this sanctuary are now carrying with us an iPhone or something of the sort, a smartphone. Who would have imagined such a device 20 years ago, something that could inform and influence and interrupt your life almost every, every moment of every day? But there was something inside of Steve Jobs that helped him to see what most couldn't see. Michelangelo stared at a piece of marble and saw what most couldn't see. He saw the Pieta. He saw the figure of Mary, the mother of Jesus, holding across her lap her son, the crucified and lifeless Jesus. Robert Frost looked into a wood and saw two roads diverge and saw something that no one else could see, the image of a poem that would find its way into just about every high school textbook. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. History is filled with men and women who had something inside of them that allowed them to see what most couldn't see. And so we might wonder if the same kind of thing is happening in this early story about the early church. Days, maybe weeks after the ascension of Jesus, his apostles remembered to remain in Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, and now Peter is on his way to worshiping with John, his, his fellow apostle, in the temple. 
And upon entering the temple, Peter sees something that most are unable to see. Inside him, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Inside of him are three years of being in the ministry of Jesus. Inside of him are the deep and unforgettable moments of Jesus' ministry of care and compassion and healing. And now, all of a sudden, Peter is able to see what most are unable to see. Peter sees a man. He sees a man, a lame man. Now we can imagine, can we not, that this is an invisible man to most. Despite the attempt of the lame man's friends to put him in a place where he could be seen by susceptible temple worshipers, this man is likely really not being seen. He's not being seen by anybody who could possibly see him as a man in need of them. Maybe some saw him as a pitiful man. Perhaps some saw him as a, as a lazy man. Maybe saw, some saw him as just a man who was in the way. Who, who knows? Maybe there were some who couldn't even see the man because to them he wasn't really even a man. He was a, he was a category. He was one of them. He was a segment of the population they didn't quite understand or appreciate, but evidently, not until Peter arrives does anyone see this man as a man in need of them. But you see, this Peter, who is advancing upon this lame man, has something inside of him, and this something inside of him causes him to see the world a little differently. He sees something. He sees someone that no one else can see. Because you see, Peter is now an artist. Peter is now an instrument of new creation. He has within him this, this greater force, this greater vision. Peter, captured by the Holy Spirit, sees himself now as an instrument of, of new creation, an instrument of God's healing power. Peter has taken on this new identity Peter sees something in this lame man that causes him to stop. You know, kind of like an artist. He, he stops and sets down his canvas and begins to recreate. He begins to see in this man something that he can bring into a different form. Something from within these two apostles says that this person can be healed. He can be changed. He can be given another chance. And Peter has been claimed by the one who has the power to heal. Peter knows that when he stops, healing will result. That when he stops, healing will result that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man in my stopping will find healing. And Peter takes the man by the right hand and raises him up. Raises him up. You see, whether you stop is a matter of what you see. And what you see is a matter of what you see inside you, what you see in yourself. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that story. We can all recite it from memory. A man beaten on the side of the road, and as the story goes, three men passed down the road, two of them religious professionals. Do not take the time to stop. 
They passed by on the other side. Now there was either something inside of them or something not inside of them that kept them from stopping. Because you see, whether you stop is a matter of what you see. And what you see in front of you is a matter of what you see inside of you. They could not see that maybe in some way they were artists of recreation. They could not see that in themselves. Something though possesses the Samaritan, the least popular character in the story because of his ethnic identity. Something possesses the Samaritan to see it in himself to be an agent of recreation. He doesn't appear to be a doctor, doesn't appear to be a first aid officer. He's just a man who sees it in himself to be a person who might discover what he might do to bring help. So whether you stop is a matter of what you see, and what you see is a matter of what you see inside of you. So it is not long after this, perhaps the most important moment in the New Testament, when Peter has a dream. And in the dream, he sees all sorts of animals that Jews, by virtue of being Jews, cannot eat. They are unclean. But in this vision, Peter hears a voice that says, what God has made clean, you must never then call profane. And so inside of him, Peter has this vision of unclean being made clean. And as circumstance would have it, Peter is invited then into a home of a Gentile, an unclean person in the eyes of a good Jew, and Peter sees something now that no one else can see. Peter sees a man. He sees a man, not a profane man, not a unclean man. He just sees in front of him a man. And now no one is beyond the reach of God's recreating grace. It's an amazing mission, isn't it, that followers of Jesus receive, that we are healers, that we are the recreators who have once, uh, with those people who have been once determined unclean, that God created out of nothing what God creates out of nothing he calls good, but to live in this world is to get banged up a bit, sullied by sin, wounded by our brokenness, stained by life, but it's the followers of Jesus who get to be the ones who are the recreators of that which was once determined unclean. 20 years ago, when reading the newspaper, an obituary popped out of the page at me. No, it was not mine. <laughs> it was one Robert Mallory. And the headline said, Junk Artist. Robert Mallory turns out to be, had turned out to have been, the pioneer of junk art. What in heaven's name? Robert Mallory had made it his artistic career to create art out of junk. He made it his focus to collect normal, everyday junk that you and I wouldn't think twice about throwing into the garbage and use it as a medium of art. He sculpted new things out of unclean things. And what he saw in front of him was a matter of what was going on inside of him. 
You know, there's something in me that wonders if you and I don't suffer sometimes from a poor self-image. I wonder if sometimes we imagine that we don't have a lot to offer in this world, that when we walk out these doors, that the world is a big, complex world that has difficult issues and all kinds of categories of people, all sorts of folks with that needs, and that's why we've got doctors and lawyers and professionals to take care of all those things, and if that's the view we have, then we are not the ones who stop. We are not the ones who stop because we are not the ones who see. And maybe we don't see because of what we don't see inside of ourselves. Tommy Lasorda, former manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, part-time theologian said, 80% of the people in your life don't care about your problems and the other 20% are glad you have them. I submit to you that is a really bad way of looking at things because there's something that makes us different. There's something that makes the Christ community different, not better, different. Something or someone has taken possession of the inside. We are claimed by the Holy Spirit. And if we pay any attention at all, we are here because in some way we believe that we've been claimed by the Spirit. And that gives us the power to see the world now in a different way and to see the world as a canvas of beautiful individual brushstrokes, just as important one as the other. Because without each one of these, the picture is not the same. And we get to be now the artist that every look at every piece of human creation results in something of beauty, the creation of God. Sometimes the broken creation of God, sometimes the creation of God that other people call junk, but we get to see each person, each stroke of the brush as a potential, a potential of recreation, a potential of being made clean, the potential of being made new. Babe Ruth, one of the great home run hitters of all time, said that the greatest man in his life was not the man who paid his salary but the man who took him in when he was seven years old, an incorrigible little boy, he had been sent to a school for wayward boys in Baltimore, Maryland, St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys, run by a Brother Matthias. And Brother Matthias looked into the soul of young George, George Herman Ruth and saw material he could work with. And worked he did and started pitching him baseballs. A recreation. Do you see that about yourself? That when you look inside, do you see a follower of Jesus? Do you see this identity of being a reconciling, recreating? healing force in the world? Do you imagine one of those medic bands on your arm, a red cross on your chest when you walk into this world? Do you have pallet in hand such that you might see the man on the pallet and with your pallet and with the power of the Holy Spirit seek to recreate? reimagine, help, heal, whatever it might be, at least to stop 
and see the tiny point of light. It is, I submit, what makes us not a little better, but a little different. Because Lord knows what this world needs, I think, is a little bit of different. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.